We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm Jeff Erickson, and my guest today is the great Mike Podhorzer from Rotographs and Projections X 2.0. How's it going, Mike? Great. You know, it's been a while since I've seen your face, so I'm glad that we can finally do this almost like we're in person for the first time in years. I know, I know. Uh, we're starting to do like, you know, I did the NFBC live this year and that was awesome to do in first pitch Arizona, but you know, tout we've two years running, we've had to do it online. Uh, both times we had planned to do it. In fact, in two years ago in 2020, we made the call pretty late because that was just at the start of the pandemic and no one knew what the heck was going on. And then last year we had to make, we were planning to do it live in person again. And then the various testing requirements for everybody, you know, not everybody feels the same way about vaccinations and tests and whatever. And New York has certain rules that not everybody could go by. So we decided to wait one more year to do it in person. So we did it online again. Uh, so here we are. Uh, I'm in two leagues with you. I'm in Tout Wars. I'm also in uh, with you at the Labor Mixed League. That's the first draft I usually do every year. First one that at least in maybe a couple like draft champion, slow draft type leagues. But the, the first live draft that I do is labor. And uh, in that one, you caught a lot of heat because you took a, you did not, you, m- most of us in the fantasy industry are risk averse to a fault. You kind of turned that on its head and so far so good. It's looking great so far. Yeah. Well, I'm not uh, immune to uh, the slack. Uh, I feel like every year in that labor league uh, it's, it's usually one of, if not the first drafts and especially the first one that's actually, actually publicized that right. people are commenting on. And, uh, I, I do seem to make some early, uh, surprise picks. Usually it's, um, stolen base guy in the past. It's been the D Gordons, the Billy Hamiltons. Yeah. Luckily they are either no longer in the league or, bench players. And so I did not have that opportunity, but yeah, I took a lot of guys coming off injury and so far that's worked out. Um, We don't know if that's going to continue because as soon as the injuries start to come, they seem to pile up. I know in the past in that league, I've had like 10 players on the injured list at the exact same time. 
So I won't be surprised if that happens again this year, but so far so good. Fingers crossed that health remains. Yeah. And the follow-up here is, is there maybe, you know, you know, an area to exploit a little bit there that maybe, especially with an early draft, there's a lot of guessing going on about how like Clayton Kershaw is going to be and Ronald Acuna, both two guys that ended up on your roster uh, that were coming off of injuries. Is that something that's exploitable because Maybe we're too risk averse as a community. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I definitely feel, especially in labor, I, I think there are, aside of risk aversion coming off of injury, I think that the league and probably a lot of leagues are very anti-age. They're all ageists. And yeah. who wants to take the, the 35-year-old veteran who's perfectly decent when I can have that 23-year-old hotshot sophomore who you're imagining upside of, you know, 30 home runs and, and, and 15 steals uh, instead of the guy who you can pretty much bank on 25 home runs. And so this happens probably in every league and it's something to take advantage of because those boring veterans end up being undervalued and you could scoop up an entire team of those players. It might be boring. You might not be excited to leave the draft, but you should be in pretty good position to win and take advantage of the undervaluations. Absolutely. And here I'll give you a you know, perfect example on both your AL Tell Wars roster and your mixed labor roster, Anthony Rizzo. Nobody's excited coming out of the draft with Anthony Rizzo. Uh, you might not have even been excited about it, but he fit your team's roster pretty well. And, you know, certainly it's fitting the Yankees right now. He wasn't even a Yankee at the time. That was part of the, part, the thing that made it a little tricky is, Where's Anthony Rizzo going to sign? I mean, we thought probably be the Yankees, but there was no guarantee on that. So, Jeff, you didn't predict he'd be second in home runs in baseball because I don't know. The pod projections were telling me second in home runs, not not yours, not the Roto-Wire no. projections. No, I did not have him as second. Uh, now, to be fair, I mean, Anthony Rizzo, a left-hander in Yankee Stadium, one of the best home run parks for left-handed hitters. So, assuming he resigned, which he did, that was obviously a good place for him to land, sure. but obviously I didn't expect this. Nobody expected this, but the other side, again, the age, Anthony Rizzo is as boring as could be. He's on the wrong side of 30. He's been in decline. He used to be bankable 30, 35 home runs batting to 70 or so in the middle of the order. He's no longer that case. So he slipped and I wasn't excited, but I thought he was undervalued given his age and given his spot in a loaded Yankees lineup. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, it's it's worked out. He, you know, and as it turns out, with the ball not flying as far, or with the slightly deader ball, having someone, you know, having a guy that has the short porch in right field, all of a sudden is a heck of a lot more important than it used to be. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's kind of hard to predict exactly what kind of guys are going to be hurt the most in this environment. I mean, let's take Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo, I believe, only has three home runs. And he's a guy that anybody would have said, oh, he's not going to be bothered because he launches moonshots. He's not the, the wall scraper kind of hitter right. who might lose a ton of home runs. But obviously that's not the case. And we're seeing Anthony Rizzo, who you don't think of as the moonshot guy anymore. He's second place in home runs. So it's, it's really a strange environment so far. And it's hard to predict who is going to – rebounds off of a slow start and who is just going to be hurt all year from the either it's the ball or the humidors or both 
Yeah, absolutely. We're still waiting for Joey Gallo to be a perfect fit in Yankee Stadium, by the way. Ever since that trade happened, everyone's, oh, that's perfect for them. No, it turns out Rizzo's perfect for him. And even though he wasn't even that perfect last year, he was better than Gallo, but uh, he's always been better than Gallo so far as a Yankee. But uh, I don't know. I don't I don't have a whole lot of Joey Gallo in my life. Uh, in fact, I rarely ever roster him because most leagues I play in are batting average leagues and he's just a stone cold killer when it comes to that and not in a good way he's a he, he's a self-destructor well yeah i enjoy gallo a couple of times the past couple of years and i got so used to the one for four one for fives solo home run days that it kind of bothered me mm -hmm. i almost would have rather the typical zero for four because just like that one hit is a home run it's like can you hit some singles and it's always a solo shot it just got very frustrating just seeing those 0 for 0 for 1 for 4 home run. And now he's not even coming with home runs. So as a Gallo owner for whoever owns him, it's got to be tough right now. It does. It does, uh, including for the Yankees uh, as they try to make everything fit. Uh, they still have the nine players for eight spot issue. Uh, every you know Gallo's getting some days off here and there. Rizzo's pretty much now locked in. Very rarely does he get the day off. Uh, Glaber Torres uh, is heating up a little bit, has five homers, had all five RBI the other day against the Jays. So he's having his moments, but you know, they still have to find a way to make it all fit. So that's always a little tricky too. Uh, I just want people to understand like the, 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 the degree uh, of risk that Mike took in his draft and labor, because it's awesome. We, you know, Fred Zinke and I were live streaming during the draft and we're like, Oh my gosh, he's going to take this guy. Oh, he's going to take this guy. And sure enough, Thor was on your roster. Severino's on your roster. You know, it started off with Acuna and DeGrom in the first two picks. Adalberto Mondesi in the fourth round. Okay, not everything works out. Um, Buxton, who has worked out famously so far for you, even with his little uh, in and outs here and there, he still just more than justified the cost there of uh, of the fifth round pick in a 15-team mixed league. 15-team uh, mixed league. Yelich, Verlander, uh, Kershaw, Rizzo. I mean, Severino. I mean, like, watch, he's going to take Carlos Carrasco here. Boom, you took Carlos Carrasco. That. That's worked out too. Funny thing is, a lot of these gambles have indeed worked out for you. Yeah, it, it's surprising because looking at all, especially in the pitching side, I think that's the big, so far the big driver of the the success right now is that all of these pitchers coming off of injury have worked out so well, and they're essentially pitching like during their healthy years in previous years. I mean, mm -hmm. you look at Justin Verlander's stats; just just his results is sub two ERA. I mean, this is vintage Verlander. I mean, I, I believe his strikeout rate is, is down a bit and some of his metrics suggest maybe he's been a little bit lucky, but so far all these guys are pitching as you would have expected during their peak years. And I couldn't have predicted that again, it goes back to the risk aversion, the, the major discounts and thinking that the upside is more than worth the cost. And maybe they won't all work out, but even if, two of them work out i'm in a good position because i can still take advantage of free agency make a trade or two if any of them perform uh, above expectations and, and so far all of them have worked out and yeah yeah and the thing is we're always trying to find inefficiencies and let's face it our our competitors have gotten smarter uh the, the information is overwhelming the amount of information that's out there you know it's rare to find a statistical tool that you have that nobody else has. I mean, I know you do your own projections. And you put, there's a lot of different uh, uh, factors that you put into it there, but 
the basic inputs are the basic inputs. You know, it, it's, you know, some people find a secret stat here and there, but for the most part, it's hard to find an edge there. So maybe by embracing risk, you found that inefficiency uh, and you yet, and you found the, that, and it's not just risk. I don't want to call, say it's just risk, but also finding like the more established players, like you said, finding Verlander. I mean, go, you know, you were justified in Verlander even before the season started. Cause by the time the season started, that same Verlander draft cost, you got in the eighth round was like the fourth round in most drafts. Um, you know, once he showed that he was healthy in spring training. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, talking about finding that advantage, it just brings me back. I go back, let's call it 20 years. And this is a story I love to tell. I haven't shared it a lot, but I was at a baseball card show. I think it was in Philadelphia. It was a huge baseball mm -hmm. card show. And there was a, a small room with a bunch of tables, some vendors set up that were just kind of advertising their product. One of those tables had free baseball forecasters, Ron Chandler what? baseball forecasters. I figured, oh, it's free. What is this? I had no idea what it was, but it was free. So I'm like, all right, I'll take this. I came home and my mind was blown. Because back then, it was so chock full of advantages that nobody was talking about. And ever since then, you know, I, I became a, a Chandler disciple like many other people. And I thought I had a huge advantage for many years. And I did have a huge advantage for many years just by reading the forecaster. Unfortunately, 20 years later, everybody basically knows all this information. And so it gets harder and harder to find that edge. Exactly. How on earth did people have spare forecasters just to hand out, especially them being relevant and timely? I mean, this was like mid-late 1990s. Yeah. So Ron was probably trying to get his name out and and, and yeah. advertise the book. And so, Maybe it was thinner back then, too, perhaps. I don't know. <laughs> but, <laughs> Absolutely. But, yeah, Ron, I mean, Ron, if you don't, if you've never read Ron Chandler's Baseball Forecaster, rectify that. Go get this year's. It's awesome. It's the first, and he, he comes out so early with it every year too. That's yeah. something that blows my mind. They're yeah. done in October. Uh, it, it'll really change how you view projections and performance and underlying metrics. You'll look at players and, and forecasting in a whole new light. Absolutely. So you do projections. Uh, they run on uh, fan graphs and rotographs. Uh, and now, and also projections X, tell me, first of all, what's projections X.com. Tell everybody about that. So projecting X is where projecting I sell, X, sorry. Yes. Projecting X. It's where I sell my ebook and the ebook explains how to project players yourself. And mm -hmm. so it'll go in depth into each particular metric on the hitting side and the pitching side teaches you how to create an Excel spreadsheet to actually come up with those projections yourself. Uh, but it, it teaches you not only how to do it, but why you're doing it and really allows you to understand what drives each of the metrics. So I also saw, sell my projections too. I know not everybody has hundreds of hours like I do to actually project players right. themselves. So you can just buy my projections on the same website. And so I think the most important point, the, mo the, the biggest key from my book is that what you want to do is instead of actually projecting counting stats the raw numbers. For example, I don't project home runs. I project all of the metrics that drive home runs, strikeout rate, home run per fly ball, fly ball percentage. Those are the three main drivers. And of course, plate appearances at bats. 
playing right. time. So you you really want to project the actual underlying drivers of those metrics rather than the metrics themselves. Same thing, stolen bases. I'm not actually projecting stolen bases, but I'm projecting stolen base attempt rate. So basically how often you're getting on base and putting yourself in position to steal a base, and then how often you're actually stealing a base as a percentage of those times. Okay. So projecting the underlying metrics and it spits out those surface level stats that you're more familiar with. And, and so I think that's the biggest key to my uh, methodology. Okay. Uh, that That's, I like that. And I hear that other times, you know, e even with, you know, that has been done with ratios before a lot, you know, all the inputs behind that, but even going with going to power and going to uh, stolen bases, I thought that's interesting. You know, it's got to be annoying and frustrating right now though, with, the ball, the ball changing every single year. You ever used to be a thing. We all every every once in a while we talk about the rabbit ball. I remember the Brady Anderson year, and then steroids would you know that era changed uh, you know performance enhancing gear changed a lot of our baselines too. Same thing with expansion for that matter. I think that's an underrated factor back in the uh, you know er, early aughts, late nineties. Uh, but it's so difficult right now trying to guess, okay, what's the ball going to be like this year? Are they going to use a humidor? Where are they going to use a humidor? At least we know now every stadium uses a humidor, although it's not having the uh, effect that they as intended, which of course is always the case. You know, there's always a law of unintended consequences, no matter what action is taken, but you know, it, it's got to be a, a real challenge trying to get on top of that too. Yeah. I mean, obviously major league baseball is not consulting us forecasters to make sure it's okay to make changes. Right. It's <laughs> havoc on our models. And what ends up happening is I also have come up with metrics like expected home run per fly ball ratio mm -hmm. and uh, expected strikeout rate, for example, expected BABIP. So expected home run per fly ball ratio, every single year that they change the ball and the league average completely changes, my formulas are completely thrown off because the same exit velocity is no longer producing the same home run per fly ball rate. Right. And so a formula that works one year is not going to work. It's going to over project home run per fly ball the next year. And so I keep on having to redo my formulas, which almost feels like cheating, but I don't know what other way to actually adjust for these environmental changes. No. And it's not cheating though. It's just trying to get it right. I mean, it's that, that's the tricky part there, you know. And the thing is, formulas are only as good as you know. They're not sacrosanct. They're they're they're, they're living, breathing documents. You know, <laughs> to use a term that's used in other venues that we won't go too deeply in right now. Uh, but it's you know, it, it it changes. We change along with uh, the unchanging environment. Is the way I always act. Uh, to that end, the Statcast era has changed. Uh, you know, forecasting a lot. We have so much more information at our disposal, and to the point where it's overwhelming, I feel like, but you know, it, it gives us details instead of just saying, okay, well, he's got a high BABIP. Well, he, he's also got a very high exit velocity too. You know, we, we have more information at our disposal. Same thing with pitchers too. You know, he, yeah, he, he's got this really low BABIP. Well, yeah, he's allowing all this weak contact. Mm -hmm. So, you know, how much does that change your process? Uh, a lot. Uh, I'm incorporating StackCast data, far more than I had been and reworking my formulas to only use StatCast data because it's quantitative and mm -hmm. it's updated in real time all the time. And we go back enough years that it gives me enough historical data to test my formulas. Um, and a, a lot of the uh, metrics, barrel rate, 
exit velocity, launch angle, they have real strong correlations with the metrics that we're familiar with, home runs, um, BABIP. And and so we know the harder that the ball is hit, the higher the BABIP, the, the, the greater chance for it to be a home run, of course. A lot of this is common sense. But now instead of saying that, oh, he's hitting the ball hard, which is leading to more home runs, we can say he's hitting the ball with an average exit velocity of 99 miles an hour, which is why his home run per fly ball ratio is higher. And we can say that quantifiably without just kind of guessing. Yeah, it's absolutely right. Um, And the more granular you get, the more you actually have actual data like that, it it makes it so much more, it it really makes it more of an enlightened guess uh, to what they're trying to do. Um, Are you going to, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, and and then it kind of gets to the point where you have to be like a data scientist, like an Excel or whatever other tool ninja, just to put all this data together and interpret it because I'm no big math guy. Um, I do things on Excel. I know the basic Excel and regression formulas and that's it. But guys like Jeff Zimmerman on Fangraphs and mm-hmm. other people, they are far more advanced than I am. And and you really almost need a PhD in like data analysis just to really massage these numbers and manipulate them and interpret them and, and put together a formula that makes sense with all of the data availability, which gives them the advantage. So that that's the edge that most of us who don't have those skills, we can't do on our own. Right. And, you know, it, it's certainly when I, you know, I, I have no background in this. I was a poli sci major for crying out loud. I went to law school uh, and then stumbled into this career instead. And, you know, I'm trying to learn still old dog trying to learn new tricks, but it's uh, the, the, the tricks are getting more and more complicated. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, again, might start having to learn like R, for example, if, if you want to stay on the top of your fantasy baseball game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before we move on with Mike, uh, our podcasts are host on the Blue Wire Network. Uh, we're going to take a quick break while we play some ads from the Blue Wire Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. 
Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. And we're back. Thank you for indulging us. And thank you to the Blue Wire Network for having us, having our podcast on, uh, on their network. I'm with Mike Podhorzer. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter uh you you can at mike podhorzer you can check him out at projectingx.com uh it's 2.0 right now i believe right for your ebook yeah it's funny because it's been 2.0 for a while and Mm -hmm. some listeners jeff maybe you remember i was on mlb network many years ago when 2.0 came out and i was asked about well is the future edition is it going to be the 3.0 or whatever and that was many years ago. And, and I said to myself that 3.0, I would write 3.0 if there was enough new info and, and data to be worth publishing a new version. Mm-hmm. There probably is, but I've been a busy man and I, I have not gotten around to 3.0. I don't know if there ever will be a 3.0. So right now there's a 2.0. Okay. And it's still relevant. That's the thing is that all of these metrics and the explanations and understanding of what's driving the metrics are going to be relevant for many years to come. So it's not going to lose its relevance. And I like that you're doing like helping people do their own projections too. It's kind of like Art McGee, how to value players for fantasy baseball. That's a book Uh, that I had as well. Yep. And I, I still refer to that by the way. Um, I still think it's useful. Now some things have changed, obviously, like, we're not going to, you know, give uh, positional scarcity bonuses to second baseman and shortstops like we did back then. But um, it, it's still, I, I find it to be one of those, uh, you know, I, I like that it's teaching a man to fish, not just handing him a fish. So I like that. Yeah, it's the principles and the concepts that will give you a much greater understanding of player performance forecasting and just how we turn those numbers, stats into values. Right. So whether you're actually following the, the, the process in Art McGee's book um, from the beginning to the end, you're still going to learn a lot, even if you don't actually open Excel and, and actually follow the instructions. Exactly. Um, and I, I, I think that's just learn a little bit here, take what you want from it and, you know, apply your own biases and knowledge and knowledge there too. In background, you might come up with a, you know, even a, a build a better robot on your own. Can't use the word robot though. Phil to so might uh, sue for copyright, but uh, no, <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, how you did the, the pa- practical application of your knowledge. Let's talk about some of the individuals on your team and we'll start off uh, with your labor team, which uh, is in first place uh, in mixed labor. And, and today I think you got a seven point lead still. I'm going to pull up your roster. People can take a look at it here uh, while we're talking. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we mentioned some of the, the chances that you took. Uh, and what it's, I think one of the best ones was Jeremy Pena. Nailed that. Uh, got him. Yeah, this is in February before he had won the job. You were an early adopter to Jeremy Pena around 24. 
what cut your eye with Jeremy Pena? Yeah, so I'll answer that. And then I have another sad story because I could have owned Jeremy Pena in our tout league and that didn't uh-huh. happen. So what caught my eye is last year, I, I believe it was AAA. It was only about 150, 200 plate appearances, but he experienced a, a huge, massive power spike. His home run per fly ball ratio, which had been in single digits previously, jumped to like 30%. Now, so small sample size, yes. But when I see a young guy who was a pretty hyped prospect take such a leap forward at AAA, even if it's a relatively small sample size, I do pay attention. And you can't really fake your way to home runs. I mean, you don't see Billy Hamilton suddenly hitting 25 home (laughs) runs. Juan Pierre never hit even 10 home runs. It just doesn't happen. So I figured he was a good speculation knowing that there was a a possibility the Astros would gamble with him and not re-sign Correa. Uh, And that's exactly what happened. Um, And then in Tout Wars, uh, again, I was – kind of hoping to land on Pena, but at that point, Correa hadn't signed yet. So we didn't know what the Astros were going to do. I had $3 left. It was between Ramon Urias, who I also kind of liked, and Jeremy Pena. I forgot that my max bid was $3. So I bid three on Pena, was outbid at four. And I'm like, crap. Or no, maybe I was, I bid two. And someone got the three. And then somebody else bid three. One of them at three. And I, I would, if this was happening in person, I probably would have realized it and I would have just went straight to my max of three. I don't know if I would have gone out bid to four, but at least I would have potentially rostered him. Right. So I ended up with Ramon Urias, who's done nothing in tout, and Jeremy Pena in labor. Yeah. Uh, and that's that, it's too bad you don't have them both. He's been awesome. We do have a note on him, and I hope he's all right. He just left uh, the second half of today's game, you know, today's game against the Twins. They're playing right now in the fourth inning. Uh, so we'll see if there's anything serious about that. Uh, but what a find so far. Uh, and yeah, yeah. as soon as you invited me onto this podcast, I my know players my have bad. been hitting the IL like there's no tomorrow. I know. I know it's a nefarious <laughs> plan of mine there. Uh, no, but uh, you know, it, it's, you know, Christian Yelich, you took the chance on him. I've, I've spent plenty of bandwidth talking about him versus uh, Cody Bellinger, the Yelly versus Belly, yeah. and I went Belly more than Yelly. In fact, I didn't. I only have one best ball league, I think, where I have uh, Yelich, and it hasn't worked out so far. That Yelich has started to work out. Um, he's starting to come around. He obviously had the cycle yesterday. That's that seems to be that's more than coming around. That's that's great. Uh, but you know, what what's your long term outlook on Christian Yelich? Because it took a while for him to heat up. To be honest, Yelich has been such an enigma. The last couple of years, we know that overall he's been a disappointment, but he's been a disappointment in different ways. One mm-hmm. year was a high strikeout rate. The other year is a, a low BABIP, that his power disappeared. So he didn't disappoint in everything the same time. It was like a right. disappointment in A, then a disappointment in B, then in C. So really, I had no idea what to expect, and I don't think anybody else did. So this was another one of those, given the round, and I can't remember what round I got him, I figured the upside, we know what he's capable of, if fully healthy and performing at his peak, I figured the upside was more than worth the cost. And I also drafted him in my 12-team mixed league, so I, I did have uh, a bunch of shares here and just hoping for a nice rebound. 
Yeah, you got him in the seventh round. One pick before me. You took Yelich. I took Bellinger. So uh, <laughs> you're in first, and I'm uh, <clears throat> not in first. And we'll just leave it at that. But uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I must have gifted you a lot of other good picks there as well. Uh, in fact, I took Bobby Witt right before you took Justin Verlander, as it just as an example of one. I took the shiny new toy, uh, and you took the old and steady guy, and that, that seems to have worked out pretty well. Completely different roles, mind you, but uh, still, nonetheless. That, that that whole concept has worked out pretty well for you. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll see if Salvador Perez works out. I'm kind of shocked that I, I think I drafted him the fourth round. He's not third, the type of, third, even third. Yeah. I'm not going to get, yeah, no, I'm just trying not to rub it in or anything guy yeah. that I expected to, to land on, mm-hmm. but valuation wise, I shockingly, he, he was up there. And I mean, the power is still there, especially relative to the league. Right. But um, nothing else has been. I mean, kind of sad. Five home runs, 10 RBIs. That's that's both a very slow player and a very bad offense. Yeah. Uh, not as extreme as Juan Soto, by the way. Eight home runs, 11 RBI after today's solo shot uh, against the Mets. That is sad. Yeah. That is just a really bad team around him. And, and some... Bad timing as well. He he has come up small a little bit, and men with the when when men are on base, when there's a scant opportunities when they are, the Nats are just so bad right now. Well, I mean, is Nelson Cruz officially? I mean, is this it? Because every year, at least I have been like, all right, he can't keep continuing. This has got to be the year where the decline begins, and it, and it hasn't. But I think we're finally seeing that that's happening this year. Decline maybe, but no one's ever gone broke with Nelson Cruz. Yeah, he's not he's not hitting for average, that's for sure. Does have four homers. Uh, I believe his strikeout rate is up and his swinging strike yeah. is up, which kind of suggests to me maybe this is finally age taking its toll. It's taken a while, right. but it had to happen some, at some point. Yeah, I'm I'm checking Cruz out right now, and you know, it's, it's actually K percentage is a little down. It's at nineteen point four percent. Contact uh, percentage is seventy eight. Um, but you know the quality of the contact hasn't uh, certainly hasn't been as, qual- as as good, and I don't know. I I always thought like when he uh, had that bad stretch with the Rays, that was some of that was the ballpark because you know just like Willie Adamas, he had a hard time hitting yeah. in Tampa Bay. Uh, I don't know, and maybe I'm just irretrievably biased in favor of Cruz because he's been so good for me for so many different years. Um, it is worth noting I didn't get him in tow. Um, well, I couldn't have gotten him in tout. We were in AL tout. Uh, um, I'm just, I, it's a, he was a default guy for me every year in AL tout. Don't have him this year. Uh, I do want to note in labor that I, I, don't, I don't want to toot my horn too much, but I'm in first place with Jacob deGrom on the IL this entire season. Yep. And Acuna just came back. So I've only had like a week from him. Uh, Luke Voigt just came back. I missed two home runs because I was stupid i didn't realize he was going to be activated <laughs> early in the week and i never activated him uh will myers i believe is going to be back soon so mondesi is going to hurt but i probably have enough stolen bases the thing with mondesi is that losing mondesi you really only lose steals because it's likely you're going to gain every other category right it makes it odd that i value him so highly after saying that You've always had good high values on the stolen base guy. So you you even alluded to it yourself. You know, yeah, I remember yeah. the year you spent big on Billy Hamilton. D Gordon, um, Billy Hamilton, they always found a home on my team. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um I remember you and I used to always be at loggerheads going after Mike Trout together in AL Tout because he was a, it was an OBP. Oh my league. gosh. 
Fifty dollars, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I know one year, a couple of years ago, that I, I haven't owned Mike Trout in a lot of leagues. But if you're going to own Trout, OBP is the league to own him in. Right, and uh, your your contention, I believe, was always that people undervalued OBP in Tout Wars. Yeah, because there's a bigger spread in OBP than there is in batting average, and because the yeah. walk component is a little more stable than like Babbitt. Absolutely. Then yeah. it's a little more predictable than batting average. I'd agree um, with that. But, but of course, this year with Trout coming off the injury, he was a little more speculative and so didn't go all the way on, on him this time. Well, you it's no surprise you and I are both high in OBP and Tout Wars this year. Uh, oh, wait. No, you're not. I'm sorry. No, I'm the um, wrong row. Why? Wow. Whoa. My hitting is bizarre this year. Yeah. 10 in RBIs and a 10 in steals, a 1 in runs. How do I have a 10 in RBIs and a 1 in runs? That's crazy. That's really hard to do. Yeah, well, it's the two in OBP. My OBP is 286.8. So. Yeah, I'm looking at Whit Merrifield on your roster, and that might oh, have a lot God. to do with it there. Uh, this is because he's hurting you in both of those categories. Yeah, he, he just got moved back into the top of the lineup. I guess all it took was three hits and, and moved back to the top of the lineup. But, yeah, I mean, the the injuries are starting to mount, and it's it's the pitching that's going to carry me and so those guys got to stay healthy it's it's that same group that i drafted in labor that have been boosting me um i was lucky enough also to grab george kirby in the reserve round oh, after taking matt brash beautiful um which is funny because i i actually feel like i'm more bullish on kirby now so i'm glad he's the one that's up because i think he can perform better than what most projections had brash for to begin with. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, Kirby has a lot more control. Yeah. Uh, period. And with a young pitcher, I want to see that for sure. Uh, I pulled up or I'm sharing your uh, AL Towers roster, looking at the hitters right now. There's Rizzo again. Have him in both leagues. Yeah. And, and another guy you expected to be a big help uh, is Jesse Winker. And because it's an OBP league, he's not completely destroying you because he's at least he's drawing his walks. Isn't hitting for average at all or power, but he at least he's drawing his walks. But I expect you, there are better days ahead for you on him. You know, basically, this is Anthony Rizzo and Pray for Rain. Because if you look yeah. at this hitting, I don't know how my hitting is not way worse. And it, it's really all because of Rizzo. I, I mean, is anybody hitting their weight? I don't no, think so. Bregman's not killing you. He's I'd been say, fine. He's I, been I think fine. he's delivered as expected. But aside from those two, Mitch Garver just got hurt. He's going to be out for a while. Mm-hmm. Nate Lowe started off hot on the singles Side. He had a lot of singles early on, very little power. And and he must be 0 for his last 30 because he's now starting for me in my 12-team shallow mixed league. Right. I can't remember the last time he got a hit. Yep. Uh, and, and see, the thing is, when you have a player on your roster, you're so acutely aware of his sleep, uh, in, in his streaks and slumps. How many leagues are you playing, by the way? Just four, which I think is probably a low number for the touts and the labor participants. I can't do that more works than well that. for you though. I bet. What's that? That help. I, I think that's actually an advantage for you. Yeah, I think it helps because when you get more leagues, you end up rooting for and against every mm-hmm. player because you have the same pitchers in maybe half your leagues, and but then you're rooting against them in other leagues where your good competitors own those same players. Right. And it makes it very difficult, which is why I try drafting as many of the same players as I can in all my leagues, just so I have fewer players to root for. And I'm not also rooting against those same players. Yeah. Case in point, you have both Thor and Severino. Uh, and in, Verlander. Uh, 
and Verlander and AL Tout and in labor both. You you have like the three horsemen of the Tommy John surgery, the 2020 Tommy John surgery with those guys. Uh, you know that's pretty amazing, Ashley. And I I remember you know that you know when you got Thor and Severino, you didn't get Strasburg. You didn't. There's a limit even for you as far as uh, risk being risk averse goes. But uh, I was like, is he going to take Stras? Oh, this would be perfect. No, you didn't do that at least. And that was the one that's to avoid so far. Yeah, Strasburg was coming off thoracic outlet. Um, I don't know if that was his last surgery or injury, but just given the the small sample of pitchers we've seen returning and every single one of them have not been the same. Right. Those are auto avoid, just cross them off. Tommy John, I used to be a lot more skeptical about. Right. And clearly I've popped that cherry this year because I, I was all in those Tommy John returnees, but right. I mean, usually I'm more cautious about those, but I think it was a, a long layoff for all of them. So I felt like, and especially at the price, I, I felt like they were worth the risk. Yeah, for sure. Um, you, yeah, you've, you've gotten a lot of good pitching. And it, it's, it's not a surprise you're doing well in saves. You have Taylor Rogers, who's thrived in San Diego, and Aroldis Chapman, who's doing more than just fine. I was a little wary of Chapman this year. This is, That was a guy I was kind of steering away from. I was worried about the command. Uh, he had, you know, his, his velocity for his standard was down. Uh, but still it's ludicrously high compared to every other pitcher, but still, I just, I just thought there was just a tiny bit of risk. So there was other guys I was targeting more. I, I wanted, uh, Presley a little bit more. I wanted, uh, and haha jokes on me. Presley's had a trip to the IL and, and Chapman has not. So shame on me for that. But, uh, yeah, 20 saves so far that that'll pay the bills. Yeah. Well, Chapman, I'm still worried about his velocity is down. His strikeout rate is down. His walk rate is up. I think he's skating on thin ice. Yeah. Um, and then Taylor Rogers, what I, I lucked into that because I, I thought he was the last pretty locked in closer. I like his skills, but, but it, nobody was really positive that he was going to be the man in Minnesota. And then right. he got traded to San Diego. It's like, Oh, okay. Now he's definitely locked in. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, uh, I don't know if 12 saves is leading all of baseball, but if it's not, it's either tied or pretty darn close. Yeah. I think Romano's got 14 maybe, but uh, it's, it's really close. Yeah. He's right there and haters up there, obviously, because hater had like 10 in like the first 15 days or something stupid like that. But yeah, point remains. Yeah. He's, he's way high in San Diego when they win, he he's there. They're using him a lot right now. Yeah, and you can see with uh, Chapman, you see the 12 strikeouts, eight walks in 11 and a third inning. So I'm a little nervous that that blow up is going to be coming at some point. Yeah. But, but we know he's pretty much locked in. So unless it's an extended slump, I mean, he did kind of lose his role last year and took a little bit of a break. So we know there's precedent from that. But I don't know. I'm going to cross my fingers that he can get it all sorted out. Yeah, for sure. And the Yankees are playing so well right now. He's just getting so many chances too. Uh, that, and it also allows like, Hey, well, maybe if he does take a break, they, they have copious options. Now they got to keep those guys healthy too, not get overused, but Clay Holmes has been fantastic. Michael King has turned another level. Um, you know, and I think uh, Loisega and green are both coming back, back in form a little bit. They got off to rough starts. Johnny lasagna. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, we'll see, see what happens with that. Um, who do you, who's your team? Are you a Yankees fan? Oh my gosh. So here's the history. So grew up a Mets fan. Okay. 
Uh, dad's a Mets fan, so you know you automatically root for whoever your dad's rooting for. Sure. Uh, that was until I was maybe ten years old, and then maybe eleven or so, my uncle moved down to Atlanta, and that coincided with the Braves being really good. That right. was the Chipper Jones, Andre Jones, Greg Maddox, Tommy Glavin, Steve Avery, David Justice, Ron Gant, that era. And being so, on TV every day, too. And they were on TV, yes, yep. right. So the Mets weren't good at that time. Right. And so obviously I'm a, you know an 11-year-old, so I see the Braves are doing well. My uncle now lives there, so I started rooting for the Braves. So I was a big Braves fan for a while, but sadly, the more I got into fantasy baseball, I kind of lost my loyalty to any particular team. And I just root for my fantasy players. But it's so hard being a fantasy player and rooting for your particular players and then also having your own team. So I just don't really root for a particular team. You know, I, I watch it'll be extra innings and I'll watch any game depending on the pitcher and I'll root for my players and, and then I'll watch the, the playoffs and root for the team that I think is more fun, usually like the Rays or something. And yeah. that's really it. So I've been able to strike that balance. For some reason, I can just I can even say like, okay, this is gonna hurt my fancy team, but I'll still cheer for my Reds first. By the way, because of my dad, he got me hooked on the Reds, and I during the big Red Machine era. Uh, so like my first baseball memories. You're are, aging yourself, Jeff. I am. Oh, I, every year, every day. Um, but yeah, so uh, first baseball memory is 1976. So it's a good time to be a Reds fan then. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, and somehow I haven't been able to break it. I'm I'm still a Bengals fan, which finally paid off. 45 years later, but, uh, you know, this, this year kind of paid off, didn't even completely pay off, but I did go to the Super Bowl, So that was cool. Uh, but yeah, I, I can somehow root for my team and, and simultaneously root for my, my fantasy players, realizing that I'm rooting for my team first, even when it hurts my fantasy team. I just usually when I, I hope like it's a red, when the reds do well and it hurts my team, I'm like, okay, let's hope it hurts this team and not that team or something like that. You know, the one that's doing well, uh, you know, you just, okay, don't touch that one. It's doing fine so far. All right. So quick reds question for you. Okay. Do you have any hope for Nick Senzel? I do. I, I still do. Um, it's weird. Yeah. I I picked him up in my, my shallow 12 teamer and then probably put him on my IL and he's been there the entire time. Yeah. And the problem, you know, it's just, it's all fits and starts with him. I, I have more hope for him finding in another organization, probably. Unfortunately, I hate to say that uh, because the Reds have screwed him up 12 ways. Um, you know, just moving him out of, in and out of various positions. He, they, they didn't treat him like the number two overall pick that he was. And that, 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 that bothers me some. Uh, that, I think they did a really lousy job of developing him just for whatever was convenient at the, not convenient, but what the team needed in that exact moment of time. And I think they should have been concentrating on what he needed because he was going to possibility of being a star. And now it's, it's tougher and he's been unlucky too. He's been hurt a ton case in point. Now uh, I think it's COVID right now. He's on the, he's on the COVID IL, but he's had, he's battled illness twice now this year alone. Yeah. Between the injuries, the position changes, he hasn't had, I think a long enough, look to really make that conclusion on whether he's going to live up to the potential we all thought he had. Yeah. Um, still, ha- I, I still think there's a good career. It's just not the potential that he had when he was yeah. drafted second overall. Um, as long as you can be comfortable with that balance, then fine. I think it can work out for you there, but uh, 
you know, it's it's weird. They they've been hitting a lot in this. They went hit a lot in this homestand. Now some of that is facing the Pirates, but they also you know they torched a couple of the Brewers pitchers too. They got to Woodruff the other day and didn't Brandon expect to see Drury. that happen. Yeah, are you buying Brandon, Brandon Drury? Brandon Drury, you know that people are really looking for offense when Brandon Drury becomes the hot pickup of the week in your fantasy league. Yeah, but you know, I'll tell you what, you know, finding any hitter right now is like so important. Yeah. And anybody that's got Taylor Ward's like, yes, I, I nailed it. I do. Two leagues. Yeah, there you go. So you know, you know how big that's been. Oh my gosh. I was laughing because I know he's been out of the lineup with like a, a minor injury. And and then I see, I think it was yesterday that he pinch hit. And of course he hit a two run home run in his pinch hit appearance. I'm like, I can just laugh now. I mean, I'm enjoying the performance, but it's gotten funny because like I didn't predict this. I mean, no. I didn't even expect him to be a starter going into the year. No, no. I, I, in fact, to that point, I was like, why is Joe Madden messing with Joe Adele? Just play Adele for crying yeah. out loud. Yeah. Nope. And Madden all along was like, no, he's going to be, he's the guy that's going to play every day and he's going to be, uh, you know, hitting in, in a good spot in the order. If you listen to just that, instead of trying to apply your impose your own bias, maybe more people would have gotten them. You know, you know, I, I actually had bids on them, but I wasn't, I didn't get them. I was, I was like second or third in bidding in a couple leagues where I did put bids on them. And I was like free to Adele. I don't, I, although I don't have any Adele either. I just, I thought that uh, Adele's K percentage was just enough to think that batting average was always going to be a problem with him. Yeah. Let alone the Magellan esque routes he was taking in for fly balls in the outfield yeah. there. Uh, that 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 that's been tough to watch too. Yep. So, uh, the la- so with this ball, with this going forward, what adjustments have you made? Uh, are you you know we're talking about trying to find a good hitter? You know that's why I get excited about picking up Brandon Drury. Have you made any other adjustments in season? Like maybe not to your projections, maybe to your projections, but also just to your gameplay. Is there anything that you've adjusted? Yeah. So I think the most important thing is is that you need to redefine what a good ERA and whip is. So in most fantasy leagues, the league leaders now are going to be a below a a three ERA. And Mm -hmm. and what that means is that avoiding those implosions, like the three run, uh, three inning, eight run outings is more important than ever, because that's going to immediately put you out of the running for like the top five in ERA. So I think those two star pitchers that you have on your team they're not the top tier. They're the mid-tier guys that you feel obligated. Oh, he's got two starts. I got to start him. Maybe not this year because you get two implosions. That's going to really push you back in both ERA and ratio. So you really have to second-guess yourself when you're making those weekly start and bench decisions with your non-top-tier uh, pitchers. Yeah, and this is starting to be correction week, too. We saw Tyler McGill get knocked around pretty good by the Nats yesterday. Tyler McGill, in my 12-team shallow mixed league, my biggest competitor, he literally traded McGill over the weekend for Rowdy Telez and did not get this eight-run one-inning outing. As soon as I saw that, I'm like, of course he just traded him away. Perfect timing. Always manages to do that. Yep. Living a gilded existence there. Uh, must be nice. Uh, yeah, Joe Ryan had a bad outing down in Texas. You know, I still think I'm, I'm still pretty optimistic about Ryan. Actually, I still like McGill, but that was, that can, that start bothered me more. McGill's start than Ryan's did. But uh, I am concerned about both. Uh, we'll see uh, if 
you know, if we're starting to see as the weather warms up, we're going to see some more thrashings like this. I do want more hit offense in baseball. So bring back happy fun ball as far as I'm concerned, but, uh, you know, human or yeah. It's a, yeah. Just a more, it's just a better game to watch, uh, you know, to, to see when a little bit more offense, but I don't want to see Jose Quintana shutting out the Dodgers. I just don't want to see that. It's really the happy balance because I love strikeouts and I, I love yeah. watching good pitcher performances, but you need home runs. Otherwise it's strikeouts or singles. And that you don't want singles. Singles are boring. Well, that singles without any runners on base, no hitting and running. And, you know, you're not even getting as many singles because shifts are still, you know, positioning is better than ever defensively. Uh, so it makes it really harder to, to be a good contact hitter there. So yeah, I, I we're not even getting that. So yeah, I, I want more offense. We're, maybe we're starting to get it. Maybe by July, we'll be like, what were we talking about in April? Yeah, what do you, you know, this is alarmist, but I, I mean, it's such a stark difference that I think it's going to take, it's going to be really hard to make up that stagger. So I think we'll still be talking about it some. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I think it's really important for everybody to remember that fantasy baseball is a game of relative performance. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't really matter what your pitcher or your hitter is doing. It's all really relative to everybody else. So if offense is down, don't panic because your one slow starter is batting 150. Right. Everybody's hitter kind of stink right now and aren't hitting for power. So you're not in any worse of a position. Uh, same with pitchers is don't celebrate because you have a 350 ERA if everybody else has a 320 ERA. Exactly. Exactly. Mike, what else do you have coming up? Uh, you got any pieces coming up at Rotographs? Uh, what can people find for uh, for your next work? Yeah. So usually early in the season, I will look at leaders and laggards, uh, Comparing, let's say, ex-WOBA uh, on StatCast to actual WOBA, uh, I just published that uh, this week on hitters, basically who's outperforming, who's okay. underperforming. Uh, so generally articles like that to get a good head start on who might rebound or regress over the next couple of months. And this also could be a good kind of a sell high or a, a trade target list. Uh, on guys that you might be able to get undervalued or guys that you might be looking to sell high because they're in for a performance decline. So I, I generally stick to those kinds of articles now, and uh, I'll continue doing that over the next couple of weeks. Excellent. We look forward to it. Hey, thank you so much for joining me today. It was awesome catching up with you. Thanks, Jeff. You bet. That's Mike Podhorzer. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Podhorzer. Read projectingx.com. Go to the site there to get the ebook, and of course, at Rotographs as well. Uh, we got uh, Clay, Clay and Todd tomorrow with two start starters. Thanks for listening to the RotoWire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Take care.